Corinthians. Let's start at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to be there at verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. And here Paul writes and he says, But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And I want to preach this morning on the, that salvation is simple. The simplicity of getting saved. The simplicity of Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to preach on this morning. The simplicity of Jesus Christ and how simple it is, how simple it is to get saved. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you, Father, for these people, Lord. I, Father, I pray a hedge of protection around them and around their heart, Lord God. And Father, pray, I pray, Father, it be your words. Your words will be preached, Father. It will come down and give it to us, Lord God, like holy manna coming down from you, Father. Lord, we might feast off, it, off of it, Father. But I do pray, Father, this, this sermon, Lord God, is for anybody out there that doesn't know Jesus Christ, Father. It's a gospel sermon, Lord. It's a, it's a, it's a message, Lord God, for people who are living in times, Lord God, that they don't know what's going to happen the next day. And, Lord, I pray, Father, they can know what's going to happen when they take their last breath. They can know they're going to go to heaven, Lord God. And you make it so simple for them to come to you. Father, I pray you make all this real to us. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, I'm praying. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, my wife and I, we were driving down the road, and she saw a sign. or a, We were talking about a billboard she had seen. And I think I seen the same one in, in Brownwood. It has McDonald's has put a billboard sign up that says, uh, Thank you for supporting us in these uh, uncertain times. Thanks for supporting us in these uncertain times, you know. Thanks for supporting us in these uncertain times. So many people are saying, these are so uncertain times. These are such uncertain times. I think one reason why this didn't affect me, the things going on in the world, the reason why it doesn't affect me is because every day is an uncertain time. Yeah. Every day, especially for a pastor that deals with so many people, calling him up and say, hey, put my, put my brother on your prayer list. I just had to call yesterday. Put my brother on your prayer list. Put my sister on your prayer list. Put my, put my aunt, my uncle, my dad, th this trouble, that trouble. This st there's storms all over the world. That's like somebody saying, like somebody saying hey, uh, there's, there, uh, just pray for it. Help us out. These storms are coming. Well, there's storms everywhere in everybody's life. There's uncertain times for everybody. Just because the world's finally waking up and seeing it. And God's had to take them and shake them by the very throat, saying, hey, wake up. Amen. There are, everything's uncertain. Tomorrow is uncertain. Amen. For a 17-year-old boy, full of strength, full of vigor, full of health, it's an uncertain time. You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. But I'm trying to show you, and the Bible's going to show you, that if you'll take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Amen. you'll have that certainty of knowing heaven's waiting on you. Amen. Now, it's simple. And the warning there that Paul gives is that Satan can beguile you like he did Eve and be very subtle and he can make you, he can convince you that there's something more than, that, than the simplicity that you can find in Jesus Christ. So let's think about that story because Paul brings it up. He says, lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. Well, how did the serpent beguile Eve? Well, first he showed up when Eve was told, don't eat of that tree. If you eat that tree, God told Eve, God told Adam and Eve, if you eat that tree, you will die. Satan shows up, very subtly shows up, and he said, uh, what did God say? Well, is, yeah, is that what God said? And, and, and Eve says, well, God told us not to eat it, and God told us not to touch it. God never told him not to touch it. So you're already adding to the word of God, Eve. You're already adding to what God said. So she's already confusing it up. 
And then so Satan starts saying, well, no, if you'll just, they, he knows, and I'll read you what, exactly what he says. He says, for God knoweth that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. He starts trying to say there's more to it, Eve. There's, there's more to it. He doesn't want you to do that because there's more to it. It's just not simple as black and white. And I'm, gonna t I'm here to tell you this morning, God's going to tell you, simply put, it's all black and white. It's all good and evil. It's all God's holiness and your unholiness. It's all salvation in Jesus Christ and doomed and damned to a devil's hell. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. It's black and white. It's very, very simple. And Satan and the world try to do everything they can to confuse you, to make it as complicated as they can. How does the world do that? Well, the world and men do that, and, and the devil does it through religion. Through religion. The devil and the world finds a way, man finds a way through religion to confuse you, to make it as complicated as, as it can. We're doing a study in Sunday school on a denomination that, that teaches that you have to be baptized to be saved. And as we're going through the scriptures, what, you, what you're starting to see is, is it as simple as being baptized to be saved? They don't even believe that. They don't even believe that. This denomination I'm talking about, they don't even believe that. Because you know what happens when you get to talking to them? So, well, I, I, was, I was already baptized. I was baptized. Yeah, but you've got to be baptized by one of us. You've got to be baptized by one of our ministers. I am part of the church. Yeah, but are you part of the Catholic church? You've got to be part of the Catholic church. You've got to be part of the whole... See, do I'm, see where I'm going with this? Man puts his finger in it, and he wants to confuse you. He wants to make it as hard as he can. He doesn't like the simplicity that you find in Jesus Christ. And there's a great simplicity we can find in Jesus Christ. It's a great simplicity. Uh, talked to a young man. I was talking to him about his salvation. I said, hey, do you, are you, do you know Christ? you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior? He goes... I know Christ. I was just confirmed just two weeks ago in the Catholic Church. So talking to him, what, you needed, what I realized was, yes, he's confirmed a Catholic, but he's not confirmed to go to heaven. Two different things. The Catholic Church has made sure to confirm him to know that he's a Catholic and what it all takes to be a Catholic and all the things he needs to do and to believe and to teach to be a Catholic. But one thing is lacking. <laughs> The salvation is in Jesus Christ. The simplicity that you have in Jesus Christ. Let's look at Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to show you the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and show you how simple it is just simply to get saved. There's nothing hard to it. God's made it where an 8-year-old can do it, a 5-year-old can do it, and an 80-year-old can do it. It don't matter if you're, if, if, if you're laying on your deathbed, you can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you can get saved. It's just that simple. And don't let anybody try to make you, uh, confuse you with the, with the matter and try to make things hard on you. It's not hard. God doesn't want it hard. Man thinks God wants to make it hard on you. God doesn't want to make it hard. Why would God go to the trouble to manifest himself in the flesh in the Jesus Christ and to let man whip him and beat him and spit on him and hang him on the cross and for him to lose all his blood to turn around and try to make it hard on you? He's done everything he can to make it easy on you. To make it as simple as he can. Why would God do that? Because he loves you and he wants to save you. The Bible says he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. His most greatest desire, the biggest desire God has, is he wants to bring you to him. He wants to bring you to him. 
Look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me. This is our Lord and Savior speaking. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, salvation is as simple as just coming when you're called. It's just that simple. Can you imagine being one of those that got to hear our Lord and Savior with their own ears as he said, Come ye all unto me. Come on. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Can you imagine the poor worker, the poor man, the person that has health problems, the woman that has health problems, family problems, whatever problems they might have in their life, and they hear the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ say, just come on. Everything's going to be all right. I'm going to give you rest. Isn't that what we all want in this world is rest? Rest from the storms of life. It says, take my yoke upon you and lean on, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Salvation is as simple as coming when you call. You know, I know this, is a, this happens a lot in a lot of different uh, industries, but I was a pre- ran a press for 10 years. And in that 10 years, there's one great truth I learned running a printing press. Well, I, there's two great truths. The first great truth I learned is printing, printing, running a printing press will either drive you to drinking or preaching. So I assume, I assume it drove me to preaching. And I met, a, I met a lot of drunks in the printing industry. It drove me to preaching. The second great truth I met, and this is a great truth, and you can take this to the bank. It's called, it's an acronym, and the acronym is KISS. K-I-S-S. It's an acronym. Keep it simple, stupid. And as a pressman, somebody who looks at pieces of paper that, paper that are printed, things that are printed out, there's nothing more true than just keep it simple, stupid. My wife and I, she was in the printing business too. We, we're going to businesses. We're going to, like, we'll look at... Uh, uh, we're, we're snobs that way. We're looking at different things that are printed like a, a, at, a, at a restaurant menu or something like that. It's like, this is horrible. Who did this? Who designed this? There'll be a font at this size, a font that size, a font that size, a font this size, a font that size, five, six different colors. It's like, just keep it simple, stupid. Think of the biggest industries you know in your life. I mean, the biggest industries. I'm talking about Coca-Cola. I mentioned McDonald's already. Think about them. What, they, they got the simplest black and white, red and white, yellow and red. They got the simplest designs, the simplest logos. They, you don't want it complicated. Keep it simple, stupid. God works that way. Because he knows the more complicated God makes, it's going to go right over somebody's head. <laughs> you ever been in a room and somebody tells a joke and there's always that one guy that don't get it? <laughs> God knows us. God created us. He knows us. And you know what's so sad is when you're the one that's like that. You think, man, I'm smart. I, yeah. And then somebody tells a joke, and you're like, man, I don't want to be the one. I don't get that. And then you pull one of your friends aside, so I don't get, I don't get what, what's so funny about that. And then they explain to you, you're like, oh, I, I get it now. God doesn't want it that way when you hear salvation. Amen. When you first hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ, God wants it as simple and plain and pure as he can get it to you. And it's as simple as just listen to a calling. Just come when you're called. God's in the calling business. From the very beginning of your Bible, God's in the calling business. I just read you, or just talked about the story of Adam and Eve. What happened when Adam and Eve fell? 
Adam and Eve fall. They realize they're naked because Satan had lied to them. So they get fig leaves. They, they, they make themselves apron. What happens? They go and hide out. What's the very next thing that happens? Just two verses later, here comes the Lord God. Adam, where are you? Adam, Adam, he's calling them. We're talking about the Lord God. Does he know where they are? He knows exactly where they are. When God, through the Holy Spirit, calls you to salvation in Jesus Christ, he knows exactly where you are. Say, so, well, he doesn't know that I'm rich. He doesn't know that I've got a million dollars in the bank. God doesn't know. Yeah, God knows exact. God knows that you're a sinner doomed and damned to a devil's hell, and he's calling you because you need Jesus Christ. He knows exactly where you are when he's calling you. That's what I love about this Bible. This Bible isn't about the 99 sheep that are found. It's about the one that's lost. Amen. Are you a black sheep? This book's for you. This book's black because it's for black sheep. See, Amen. I'm a black sheep. I'm a black sheep. I'm different. I'm weird. And Jesus Christ still said, Come on. Come on into me. I'll take you. I'll take you. Come on. Come on. This spirit, the Holy Spirit calling man has been going on for 2,000 years. Men have just, and the devil and the world have just been better about drowning out that calling. And as we're getting into this age, this new age of technology where people have their phones, they have their headphones, they, have, they put them in their ears, they got, them, they got TVs on their walls, they got TVs in their trucks and their cars, they got music sound everywhere. Let me give you some good advice. Are you going crazy? Let me give you some really good advice. Just turn all this nonsense off. Just for one time, get in your car, turn off the radio, just roll up the windows, and just drive. Don't listen to nothing. Just get, just meditate. I don't hear God calling me. You don't hear God calling you because you're drowning it out with everything else. Amen. You know when God called Elijah, when Elijah ran from God, you know what that voice was? It was a small whisper. Elijah. Elijah. Because there was a whirlwind that came, the Bible says, in that whirlwind, God wasn't there. All this noise, all the earthquakes, all the... God's not there. He's in that small, still voice. And you're drowning him out the best way you know how. You might not even realize he's calling you. He is. He's calling you. And people drown it out with entertainment, with music, alcohol, drugs. Anything they can do, as long as they don't have to hear that convicting calling. Come on to me. Come on. Sometimes God will put you in a place in your life where you can hear Him. That's the most dangerous place to be. Sometimes it's in a hospital bed. Sometimes it's in a doctor's office. Sometimes it's in financial problems. I don't know what kind of problems God will bring into your life, but sometimes He will just so you'll listen to Him. He's done it to me. And there's no doubt He could do it to you. I was reading this story about uh, a, the death angel. There's a, there's a group called Death Angel. And their drummer that plays drums for this band, he got the COVID virus, and it put him in a coma. He got the coronavirus, put him in a coma, and it says here in this report, I, I got this report, it says here that this thrash metal band, Death Angel, said he went to, this drummer, Will Carroll, said he went to hell and met Satan while he was in a coronavirus coma. He was on a ventilator. 
He said for two weeks, he said he was coming back from a European tour and caught the virus. He said in his nightmares he dreamed a female devil rebuked him for sloth and transformed him into a Jabba the Hutt-like monster who vomited blood until he had a heart attack. He awoke on, Mar on March 30th. He awoke out of the coma on March 30th, and there were tubes coming in and out of me, and there was a nurse right there. My first words to her were, am I still in hell? She ignored me. He said, she ignored me. He said, time in hell has set his feet on a street called Straight. He's stopping hard alcohol and bong rips. I guess bong rips is when you're smoking marijuana. Is that what that is? I'm looking at the young ones out there. I'm not looking at you, Sister Alice. Bong rips. I don't even know what that means. I, I assume that's smoking marijuana. He says he's stopping that, whatever that is. It sounds bad. And will only self-medicate with the occasional hard cider and marijuana edible. So I know what that is. He was close to death, and now he's awakening. Feels like a rebirth. Listen to what he had to say. I'm still going to listen to satanic metal, and I still love Decide and bands like that. He says, I'm still going to do what I was doing, but as far as my personal life and my experience of what I went through, this is his quote. Quote, I don't think Satan's quite as cool as I used to. Wow. Yeah, I wouldn't think he's that cool either. God's calling you. It's as simple as a calling and to come into the calling. I equate it to being out on a big ranch and God's up in heaven on the porch of heaven ringing that dinner bell. Come and dine. Come and dine. He's just ringing that dinner bell. And there's a bunch of us that have come. We've ran to the front porch of heaven as God rings that dinner bell. Come and dine. Come and dine. And you stand back. And you stand back in that darkness and wilderness and you watch everybody run up. And you sit back. And you wonder, what's it like? Come on. He's calling you too. Amen. He didn't just call me. He didn't call me. I just heard the call and I went. It's as simple as hearing a call and going. When I was going through a dark storm in my life, and man, it was a dark storm. I would try to get away from town, try to get away from things. I'd come out here to the Hoggett Ranch. And Ronnie and Linda were kind enough to allow me to come in. And sometimes I'd spend the night i just come in, and Linda was sweet enough to fix me supper, fix me lunches, and I appreciate them taking care of me. They took care of me like one of their own, like an adopted retard or something. That They took care of me. You know, I love them for that. But I remember one time I went out hunting, and I was out there hunting, just trying, you know, got away by myself. And I remember coming back, it was late evening. And I was walking down way out there, and I was walking down, and I could see way off away, I could see the Hoggett house. This is before I think we even tore down that house and y'all built a new one. And I seen the light. And I just, I, and it was real dark out there because I stayed up there late and I thought, I, it was real dark out there and here I come, but I just followed that light. And I kept following that light. Like, there it is. And I remember getting closer and I got closer to that light and then I got, I could see that window and it started getting brighter and then I could see Ronnie and Linda in there and I could see them moving around in there. And brothers and sisters, the warmth I felt coming out of that darkness and seeing a family there. And I knew there was love waiting on me on the other side of that window. I knew there was love waiting on me, for me on the inside of that house. And, and to feel that darkness and coldness and the, the point I was in my life and the depression that I was dealing with and to come out of that and God was speaking to my heart. There it is right there. That's what you need right there. 
somebody's listening to my voice, maybe that's what they need. And heaven is a bright, shining light. Jesus Christ said, I am the light of the world. It's a bright, shining light. You're out in darkness, and you've been like this drummer. Maybe you've been doing all these things you shouldn't be doing. And, but if you get a taste of, of, of Satan, you get a taste of what hell is really like, you would run to that light. You'd be like this drummer and say, you know what? Satan's not as cool as I thought he was. Not as cool as I thought he was. Turn to John chapter 6. Let's turn to John chapter 6. Man, I love Jesus Christ. I love the people Jesus Christ has put in my life to take care of me. And he will. You're not, any, you're not in anything alone when you're a Christian. When you're a Christian, you never go through it alone. A uh, 93-year-old lady, uh, Sister, uh, Sister uh, Patsy's mom, 93 years old, she would tell me, I don't know how people get by without Jesus Christ. I don't know how people get by in this world without Jesus Christ. She's 93. That's her testimony. She don't know how people get by in the world without Jesus Christ. I don't either. John chapter 6, verse 47. How easy, how simple is it to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Look at verse 47. This is the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ again. And he says here, verily, verily. Now when the Lord Jesus Christ says, verily, verily, he's saying, listen to me. Now listen. Listen to what I have to say to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. It's belief. It's as simple as putting your belief in Jesus Christ. Is it that simple, Pastor? It's just that easy and simple. It can't be any more simple than that. It can't be any more simple than that. Well, I don't know if I believe Jesus Christ. I don't know if he really existed. I don't know about Jesus. I hear all these things about Jesus Christ. I hear people say, well, I don't think all that stuff's made up. I think, let me tell you something. I've been listening. I was a, a, I was a devout atheist. I was a devout hater of God before I got saved. And I, I tried to get away from God. I tried to uh, come up with all these excuses. I mocked Christians and did all these things uh, and was uh, real awful towards Christians. But one thing I've never heard one of my people at that time say, and I haven't heard it since I got saved about Jesus Christ. Now listen to me, about Jesus Christ. I've never, now maybe y'all have, I've never heard it. They'll mock Jesus Christ, they'll make fun of Jesus Christ, but there's one thing I've never heard them do. I've never heard them call him a liar. I never heard them call Jesus Christ a liar. Oh, he's stupid. He, they mock him. They make fun of him. But they never call him a liar. Never. So that should, that should give you something to ponder. Go through what Jesus Christ had to say, and they never caught him in a lie. Not one time. He's walking around 2,000 years ago and says, Hey, you see these stones right here? These stones right here? All of them are going to be pushed over. All of them are going to be turned over. Now, there's not going to be one of them left. Now, at that time, that was one of the wonders of the world, that temple right there. Herod's temple was one of the wonders of the known world. And our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said, you see these stones right here? There's not going to be one of them left. They're all going to be pushed over. You know what happened in 70 AD? Exactly what he said. Can't deny it. You got TV, go on and look at it. You got Google, image it up. That's flat. All those stones have been pushed over by the Roman emperors. When they came in, General Titus pushed them all over looking for gold. 
And Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 23, Matthew chapter 25, Jesus Christ is prophesying. Every one of those prophecies we're seeing come true today before our very eyes. You can say what you want to say about Jesus Christ, but you can't call him a liar. And why am I saying all that? Because I'm saying, you were talking about putting your faith in somebody, put your faith in Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, put your, in some, put your faith in somebody that's proven to be true. That's proven to be true. It's simple as that. Just put your faith in Jesus Christ. Look at John chapter 10. It's as simple as uh, coming when you're called. It's as simple as believing. And now look at John chapter 10. Let's look at something else Jesus Christ said. Now these are all the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ I'm reading to you. John chapter 10. Look at verse 9. John chapter, chapter 10 verse 9. How simple is it to get saved? It's so simple. You know, before we got going in the, in the Sunday service, I was, we, we were reading something from Brother Eubanks, and you, Brother Eubanks, he's on the corner street preaching. This woman pulls up crying, and she gets out, and she says, I want to get saved. And so she gets saved right there on the street corner. Right there on the street corner. Can you get saved on the street corner? You bet your bottom dollar. It's that simple. Can you get saved in a bar? Yeah. Amen. I've heard stories of guys being in a bar. They're sitting there drinking. They look around. They're saying, what am I doing here? I need Jesus Christ. And they accept Jesus Christ, and they get saved. I've heard of guys getting saved in bar ditches. Brother Chick walks out of his house, going to go gamble some more like he always did. There's his little boy sitting out of the house. He walks by him, about to walk out the gate. He looks down at his little boy. His little boy looks down at him and he said, Daddy, ain't you ever going to come to church? Ain't you ever going to come to church? So he closed the gate, and he went out in the car, and those boy, that boy's voice just rang and rang and rang and hollered. And he, he was driving down the road, and Brother Chick said, I couldn't take it anymore. And he said, I just pulled over, got out of the car, went down in the bar ditch, got down my knees and said, I took Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. How big a change did it make in Brother Chick's life? Well, his dog noticed the change. Before he got saved, he said, I'd come home from work, and my dog would see me coming. He'd run and get underneath the house. That's what Brother Chick said. He was scared of him. His dog was scared of him. He said, the day I got saved, when I came back to the house, the dog met me at the gate, wagging its tail. The dog could tell there's been a change. Listen, when Jesus Christ comes in your life, it will change you. It changed me. And the only reason you don't know, realize how much it's changed me, because you didn't know me before he changed me. Now, you talk to some of my family, some of my loved ones, I got some of them in here. I don't have a lot of loved ones in here, but I got some. No, I have everybody loved. But the point is, you talk to some of them that knew me before, they'll laugh. They'll, there's no way. It's a put-on. Kicking's being a It's a put-on. They, they can't believe that I've changed. One of my friends, when I got saved, they found out I was preaching. One of my good friends in high school, he said, Kigan's a preacher? He said, with a mouth like that? My poor wife gets to hear it sometimes. It comes out. That old man comes out. Man, it's, it's, it's amazing what Jesus Christ can do. But it was me simply believing and coming to Jesus Christ. Look at John chapter 10, though, verse 9. It's as simple as going through a door. John 10, verse 9. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And shall go in and out and find pasture. You want to be saved? Go to Jesus Christ. He's the door. It's simple as going through a door. It's simple as going through. Just go through the door. Just walk through a door. It's not locked. God doesn't have it locked. 
Say, well, I went to that door. I pulled on that door. It doesn't open up. Well, you're at the wrong door. Well, the door says Jesus. Uh, you're at the wrong Jesus. Maybe you're at the wrong Jesus. Maybe you're at the wrong door. Maybe you're trying to use the wrong key. Maybe you're showing up at this door and you think you're going to use the key of works to get in that door. Don't work. You've got to have the key of faith. You've got to come up and just say, will you let me in? And Jesus Christ will open up the door. Amen. You don't come up to Jesus Christ and bring any of your works. Is this good enough? Is this enough money? Is this enough work? Did I feed enough people? Did I go to church enough? God doesn't care about that stuff. He wants you to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. It's about the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You didn't do anything. You just show up at the door. The door opens up and you walk through. Say, well, I don't have the right keys. Jesus Christ has the keys. The answer is all through the scripture. The answer is all through the scripture. You know, I was reading the story of this uh, couple. And they brought home that painting, that famous painting of Jesus Christ standing at the door and knocking. And it shows Jesus Christ standing at the door and knocking. They, the, the, wife, the, the wife brought home that painting and put it there in the kitchen. And she had a young son there. And when the dad came through, the young son said, Daddy, Daddy, who's that? Who's that? And the dad was trying to ignore him. He just got off of work. He was tired. He said, who's that? Who's that man, Daddy? Who's that man, Daddy? And finally the daddy said, Son, that's Jesus Christ. That's Jesus Christ. And that little boy looked at dad and said, Daddy... <laughs> Just like a kid would do. Daddy, why won't they let him in? Dad didn't have anything to say about that. Amen. Dad got down to the table and got saved. Because he got down to the table and started eating. And the whole time he's eating, he's looking at that picture of Jesus Christ standing at the door knocking. And his young boy's voice. Daddy, why won't they let him in? Why won't they let him in? That's my question this morning to you, why won't you let him in? Amen. He's not a liar. He's a savior. And it's the simplest thing you could do. So many people, they have so many problems in their life and they're not saved. And I talked to them, I said, why don't you take Jesus Christ? No, no. I said, just, just try it. Just try Jesus Christ. If I'm wrong, then you come back and say, you're a liar. He, he, he didn't do that. Just try it. Just, just try putting your faith and just try it. Why are you afraid to try? I know why. Because they think it's going to make them stop doing that stuff they want to do. I have to give up this. And I have to give up that. And I have to go up. You know what happened when you get saved? This is exactly what the Bible tells you exactly what happened. What happened? You know what happens when you get saved? When you take Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and you have that new birth, you're like, oh, all the sin, all the stuff's lifted off your shoulder. It's a relief. And then you look back and you're ashamed of all the stuff you've done. I'm not saying you won't try to go back into it. I'm not trying to say you're not like a dog that tries to return to his vomit. But when you first get saved and you're cleansed, you're going to look back and say, man, I'm ashamed of how I was living. I'm ashamed of doing that. It's as simple as going through a door. Maybe you go through the wrong door. Look at verse 1, chapter 10, verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. The only door is Jesus Christ. You can't go in any other way but through Jesus Christ to God. You can't do it. There's no other way. 
It's only through Jesus Christ. And if you're trying to go through a different Jesus Christ, it won't work. It's not going to work. Look at verse, uh, yeah, look at verse 28. Look at verse 28. Salvation is simple. It's as simple as going through a door. And I give unto them eternal life. This is Jesus Christ speaking. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I give unto them eternal life. Maybe you're going to this door of Jesus Christ and you think you're going to bring some work. You're going to bring the keys of work. You're going to get in by work. You're going to get in by baptism. You're going to get in by confirmation in the Catholic Church. You're going to get in by some other way. You're not going to do it. Notice what it says there in verse 28. And I give them eternal life. Jesus Christ didn't say you're going to earn it. And they earned eternal life. So I, I let them have it because they earned it. He says, I give it unto them. Amen. And that leads to the last one. It's as simple as receiving a gift. Salvation in Jesus Christ, getting saved is as simple as receiving a gift. Look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Man, this is such a simple sermon, but it's all truth. I mean, I'm not trying to uh, change the world. I'm, I'm just trying to give you the simplicity that's in Christ. This, it's, it's so simple. People, you know, people that are not saved come in, well, I want to know more about the book of Revelation. You need to know more about going to hell without Jesus Christ. You need to know about that Jesus Christ, without Jesus Christ, you're going to hell. All that stuff comes later. Well, they won't. It's like, a, it's like somebody wanting the dessert before they get the meal. All the stuff about prophecy, all these things, the wonderful things. about, And there is lots of wonderful things about the Word of God. That's for a born-again believer. And you're not going to understand it until you get the Holy Spirit living in you. Amen. And the only way you're going to get the Holy Spirit living in you is to take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen. And if you're wise enough to know, hey, there's something to this Bible, well, you better get saved and you'll find out there's a lot to this Bible, not just something. A lot. Everything. This whole world is run by this Bible right here. And the world can't get it. They don't, they don't understand that. Romans, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, a famous, famous verse here. For the, wages, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's a gift. It's a gift. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's as simple as receiving a gift. This gift is wrapped. This gift's already been purchased. You don't owe any money on it. It's just waiting to be received. That's the key. Because a gift can be offered and not received. I've seen a lady that had uh, gotten, out, gotten out with her mom, didn't have anything to do with her mom. Her mom was trying to make it right. Her mom came to her and gave her this really, really nice gift, tried to give it to her, caught her in Walmart parking lot, parking lot tried to give her this gift in Walmart parking lot, and she said, no, I don't want it. There's no telling how much money that lady spent on that gift. I've seen it. Somebody can give you, somebody can be offered the greatest, somebody can be offered some very, very expensive gifts and people won't receive them. It's being offered. Now it's up to you to receive it. The greatest gift ever known is the gift that God gave us in Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
Whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? The best gift you can give your enemy is forgiveness. Here's some gifts. I'm going to read these to you. The best gift you can give your enemy is forgiveness. The best gift you can give your opponent is tolerance. The best gift you can give a friend is your heart. The best gift you can give your child is a good example. The best gift you can give your father and mother is to honor them and have good conduct. The best gift you can give yourself is, is respect. The best gift you can give any man or any woman is charity. You have all these gifts in Jesus Christ. Amen. Forgiveness and charity. You have all these things in Jesus Christ. You know, salvation is simply as listen to the calling and calling on the Lord. Jesus Christ is going to call you. You're going to come to Jesus Christ and you're going to call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's all simple. All these verses are very, very simple. It's too simple. It's just too plain. And it's scaring me how many people won't take it. You know, you got preachers like me that, I, I mean, I admit I'm a sorry sinner. I'm not trying to get money from you. Nobody's passed the offering plate in front of anybody in this room. Nobody, not one, but nobody's asked for money. I'm, I'm not trying to be something I'm not. I've told you I'm not sorry, no good. I was sorry, no good. I'm sorry, no good today. The only difference between me and, and that point and now is Jesus Christ, and I'm going to heaven. That if there was a time I said, I want Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, will you save me? And he saved me right there. It's so simple. And it's so life-changing. It amazes me that people will not take that step. What's keeping you from Jesus Christ? Are you ashamed of how you acted before? And you say, well, if, I, if I become a Christian, if I get saved, people are going to make fun of me. People are going to mock me. People are going to, you know, because I, I mocked Christianity. And I did. Listen, guys, <laughs> I'd rather be mocked on this world than to be sitting in hell. Amen. I was mocked. I would walk down the road and the school bus drove by me and one of the kids says, there's Keegan. And the other kid said, yeah, he's a Satanist. When I was walking down the road. This is before I was saved. So my reputation was I was a Satanist. And when I got saved, I had friends mock me, make fun of me, ridicule me. It didn't bother me one bit. Because once you got the truth, it shall set you free. It shall set you free. I was reading a story about this guy. Maybe he's a lot like you. He was a disobedient child, like you are with God. Do what you want to do. And he left home, and he didn't listen to his dad. And his dad told him, I want you to do this. And he hurt his dad, and he hurt his dad's feelings bad. He had his dad uh, upset, and there was a lot of friction between him and his dad because he wouldn't do what his dad needed him to do. And he, he went out and lived for the world, and then he got the call. He got the call one day. Your dad has passed away. Come on back home. We're going to read the will. So this child comes back home, only child of this dad, comes back home and he gets in the room and the lawyer opens up the, opens up the will. He starts reading it and man, oh man, the dad starts ripping him. My son who didn't obey me, my son who left the house, my son who stole my 
car. My son, he starts ripping, and the son got so mad, the son jumped up, and the son ran off. Ran out of the office, left. It took them three years to chase this guy down, this son. And finally got a hold of him, finally got him and said, listen, you didn't stay for the rest of the will. He gave you everything. He gave you everything. You inherited everything. We've been trying to find you for three years. Maybe that's how your life is. Maybe you've been running through this world and you think, God's mad at me. God's not happy with me. I know I'm going to hell. And you mock it and you make fun of it. And you say, yeah, I know that I'm going to go to hell. And you, but in the back of your mind, you know that that's not a good thing. And maybe you're like Romans chapter 6, verse 23, where it says, For the wages of sin is death. And you know you've, you've worked, there's a wage there, and you've earned it. And I've had somebody tell me that. I deserve hell, and that's where I'm going to go, and that's where I want to be. I earned it. Just like this son when he was sitting there at that wheel. His dad's going to make sure you deserve everything you get. But because of my grace and love, I'm going to give you your inheritance. The wages of sin is death, but, but the gift of God, the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life. Amen. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's a free gift. But you've got to take it. Dwight O. Moody said at the offering, at the invitation, had a dollar bill. He goes, anybody who wants this dollar bill, come down and get it. And this young boy come down here and he walked down the aisle and he stand in front of Dwight, Moody, Dwight L. Moody and he stood there and he waited for Dwight L. Moody to hand him that dollar bill. And Dwight L. Moody just stood there like this with that dollar bill in his hands. And there was a mother in the back, had her son, and the mother said, son, go get that dollar bill. And that son ran down the aisle and that son ran down the aisle and he pushed that little boy out of the way. He grabbed that dollar bill out of Dwight L. Moody's hands. And that young boy that stood up there at the beginning that wouldn't take it said, started crying and Dwight L. Moody said, son, I said, come and take it. You got to take it. Just because somebody's offering it, you got to receive it. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will move. If there's somebody lost, Lord God, that they would get saved, that they just simply put their faith in Jesus Christ, Lord God. Just realize, Lord, it's just simple as walking through a door, Lord, just coming to a dinner bell ringing, Lord. Just, Lord, it's just simple. It's, you've made it so simple. I thank you, Father, that you've made it simple. And Father, I just pray, Lord God, that maybe somebody's dealing with something out here this morning, Lord God, that only you and they, only you and they know about, Lord God. I pray, Father, that you come in and, and show them your love, Lord God, in their heart right now, Lord. Show them your love, Lord. Wrap your loving arms around them, Lord God. Let them know that you love them enough to die for them, Father. That you, there is somebody that loves them. There is somebody that cares for them, Lord God. And you've done it through Jesus Christ, Lord. I pray, Father, your Holy Spirit will move. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Let's have an invitation, brother. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. 
So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him